it's only the moment of the attack, it's not only the war, but it's all before and, uh, and after. Mm. This is so much of a universal story of, of effects of war on civilians. Why it's so crowded? Why uh, all this distraction in this cartoon? Because it is our luck. <laughs> The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. In Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. We're excited to bring you two interviews today. Up first is a conversation with award-winning photojournalist Anne Pack of the Active Stills Photography Collective and journalist Ala Kandil, who are on a U.S. tour bringing their multimedia project, Obliterated Families, to audiences around the country. Obliterated Families, which can be found at obliteratedfamilies.com, tells the stories of the people of Gaza during and after Israel's 2014 attack. We're then going to hear from our guest host and contributor, Marguerite Dubai, who interviewed Palestinian political cartoonist Mohamed Sabane about his current U.S. tour for his brand new book, White and Black, Political Cartoons from Palestine. Here's Anne Pack and Ella Kandil of Obliterated Families, who joined me in Oakland last week. So my name is Anne Pack. I'm a French photographer. I'm a member of the collective photo collective Active Stills. And I've been involved in Palestine, on Palestine issues since more than a decade. My name is uh, Ala Kandil. I'm a Polish-Palestinian reporter. Uh, I used to be based in Palestine for almost four years. And uh, I've been going back and forth for the last uh, two years also. So let's talk about this project. It's a multimedia project. Um, the website is gorgeous and um and and this project has been in formation since uh right after the ceasefire in 2014 is that is that correct um talk about the it's divided into 10 stories um you focus on 10 families specifically um talk about how uh you came to find these these families and and what kind of compelled you to put this sort of project together yes <clears throat> Obligated families, yes, focus on uh, on ten families. But for this uh, for this project, actually, fifty three families uh, were visited uh, over a period of uh, more than one year. So it's really a, a long term project, and it was very hard to choose uh, to choose the families because each uh, yeah each story seems very important. Once you met the you met the families and uh, you collect all these materials. Um, so at the end, you know, it was a bit of um, we of wanted to show also the, the diversity of cases and also in terms of location, we uh, wanted to ensure that all of the Gaza Strip was represented, which also make make a point that all the Gaza Strip was bombed during these uh, 51 days of bombings and you know, there was no place that were safe. Um, and then it was also, you know, according to um, the, the 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 connection that we felt with uh, some families uh, and and then it was a matter of going back to them and digging a bit more uh, into this uh, the stories of this particular particular 10 families but on the website itself we also have a gallery with the 53 families that we visited because it was very important for us that they would be represented and also uh, we have um, a film online uh, which is called Gaza Gaping Wound. So you will find it there uh, alongside actually all the other videos uh, that are dealing with the 10 families. But in this particular film, we also deal with, with many, many families. Mm. And Alad, tell us a little bit about your work uh, with this project and what it was like as a reporter recording these kinds of stories um, and, and curating them and, and putting them together for this project. Um, so... I joined Anna after she's been already involved for a good eight months in the work. And uh, on one hand, this project also, <laughs> somehow this work starts uh, earlier still, uh, you know, despite formally joining the work at the, in 2015, because as Anne mentioned, many families uh, out of the 10 on whose stories we decided to focus were families we met during the offensive itself. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, that was one type of uh, connection we already had and uh, the reason why we wanted to follow up and see what happened with the people and those meetings very often were really brief and uh, you know just uh, in passing almost uh, I'm thinking about Maddie family whom we met uh, when they were collecting the remains uh, of their loved ones from a flower cooler in the middle of agricultural fields in the Rafa area because the the main hospital was shut down so that meant there was no morgue and uh, you know people were using uh, ice cream fridges to store bodies so there was this and it was such a brief moment also because people were rushing in and out of this flower cooler trying to just identify uh, who 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 are the to whom belong the bodies wrapped in the white uh, sheet and everyone was scared. It was just two, three days after uh, after um, Black Friday in Rafah. Um, but it, you know, it's also a day that I think for both of us really stuck in our memory very much. We left the following day, mm. and um, so th- this is one one type of connection uh, with the families at the beginning. And then when I joined Dan, <coughs> I sat down to write the first story uh, for the for the chapter and just uh, it just turned out that it was a story of a family that I had met before the offensive itself mm. uh, so I felt already a certain personal connection I felt I could actually bring up the idea of uh, who some of the people were and uh, you know what what were they thinking dreaming uh, what was on their minds but with other families, I very soon after I wrote it, I realized I can't do it based on you know Anne's notes or Anne's encounters or even those brief encounters just from the offensive itself. It was not enough, so I went back to Gaza for uh, three months, and uh, even you know for me it was also I think on a very personal level it was really important because I kept trying to come back to Gaza after the offensive but every time I went I felt there was so much tension and it was so bleak and I was trying to work on stories about how the the reconstruction of Gaza would look like and every time I sat down with people whether it was in September or in December uh, and asked them about uh, you know what are the plans the, the the urban planners, the NGO workers, they would their voices would break. They would have tears in their eyes, and they you know, and just this question about the future of Gaza, it was a question that would break them. And then when I came back a year later, somehow it all eased, and uh, and people were also more open to talk. And so with many of the families uh, we met, like the family we met actually at that flower cooler, when I went into their house they all started speaking all at once you know there's five people sitting in the living room and they just wanted to get out their story and they they actually couldn't wait until one person finishes they were interrupting each other and just speaking really really uh, a lot and uh, it made me also realize that uh, because of course we were cautious with approaching families and worried that you know we might be bringing more trauma we might reopen wounds but uh, whenever I saw this kind of reaction happen, people really wanted to to, to just have someone listen to their story. Um, it was encouraging. Um, and so with each family, it worked a little bit different. But what we were thinking from the from the very beginning is that, okay, we have the heaviest possible stories. Uh, and how do you make it so that people will still engage with it and look at the photos read it but actually learn about who these people were how are the survivors coping and so with each family we put quite a lot of work starting you know from writing down the story through uh, designing each chapter and thinking how to balance it but also how to structure it on what to focus uh, how to make you know each story a little bit different so some of them are chronological some of them happen in two parallel times uh, and other stories are based on different family members speaking and, uh, and just giving their account and their perspective on uh, on what had happened there is a chapter that goes back to the 30s of the with the family history and it's this narrative of you know constant dispossession and constant struggle also and this 
attempt to rebuild and uh, and continue and uh, also stay. Um, we try to focus also a lot on the uh, mental health issues, uh, and that comes up also in different chapters. So I think you know each story has its own angle, its own kind of uh, no per- like particular way of looking at mm-hmm. at it and we really hope mm-hmm. that with this but also mostly with the visuals mm-hmm. that it will be something that people will be able to to go through and not get bored not get discouraged not get also overwhelmed or overburdened with it because it's you know a lot of those stories are about the way people lived and uh, and there is there are good things in it and uh, you know uh, it's not only it's not only the moment of the attack, it's not only the war, but it's all before and uh, and after. Yeah, I think the issue of um, having really different kind of stories was very, uh, very important and also to try to play with the visual so it's, it's not repetitive. Uh, we have a bit some constant things. For instance, each chapter will uh, open with a very short video on a loop, uh, Mm -hmm. just a few seconds that will bring you right there with the family. Uh, And then we'll always finish with a a list of the names of the people who were killed in this particular family with the age, but also like their particular relation to each other. So people can picture in their heads uh, the family tree and how how it was uh, affected, but sometimes, you know, we have slideshow. Uh, we also include um, um, uh, animation in some in some chapters. And when it comes to the video, sometimes we have like a few seconds video, but sometimes it can be until like nine minutes video. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's diverse and we are really hoping that um, then people will Engage with different different chapters uh, of this uh, of this work, but also what is very important to understand when it comes to the curatorial uh, uh, work that it was really also collective with uh, a few numbers of people involved. So for each chapter, we have like discussion between four, five, sometimes six people about you know how it looks and what to put and the focus. So. Uh, the, yeah, that was uh, also an interesting uh, process of collective work, uh, uh, and this is just for the final look of the chapter. But when it comes to the whole project, like we have more than one hundred people who participate mm-hmm. and contribute in different ways to to this project. What's the response been uh, to this project by the families that you were working with? Uh, so I was uh, back in Gaza not so long ago, um, and it was the first time after after two years. So it was a good chance to uh, to meet uh, with a few families. Um, I was a bit uh, I was focused on one family because I'm working on a on a new documentary about the the Kilani uh, family. So I spent a lot of time with them, uh, and I met also a couple of uh, other families. So I. What was really nice with this project is that we have different type of production. I mean, the the, the website is one thing, but we have uh, produced a beautiful uh, designed uh, booklet mm. uh, in which you have three families um, features. So I could show uh, the booklet, and it was something concrete that people can open and look. You know, like um, um, and they were they, they were really appreciative of what they saw and. Uh, and I present it was that was very nice. Um, I could also share with them a video um, uh, that of a conference um, that we organized in Paris, where actually one of the family member Ramzi Skilani, who lost his father uh, during the, the Gaza offensive, um, talk and uh, and the family in Gaza. I mean, when they saw this, like they were so moved and so proud of. Uh, of Ramzi Skilani, who is now talking um, about what happened in Gaza and asking justice for uh, for his father and the f- the the family of his father who was killed uh, with him. So it's it was um, I think kind of you know showing them also that that w- what happened is not forgotten and that people are talking about it and that the, the stories of these families are being uh, told. Uh, um, internationally, and I think for them it was it was good to it was good to hear. And I met also with uh, Shuebar family, so now there is actually uh, um, 
potential court case in France, uh, which is a bit of a result also of of the documentation that we made because um, then a, a piece in the missile that killed uh, three children of the Schweber family was identified as produced by a French company. So for mm -hmm. the first time, you have um, a complaint that has been launched by the Schweber family f against the French company for complicity in war crimes, which is quite, um, quite quite interesting and I hope you will lead of course to somewhere. So I was able to uh, also to to meet with the Schweber family and we talk about the, the the court case in France and also I could show the the booklet and you know like he was also appreciative of the work but he was understandably more also interested in knowing what's what could happen in France uh, because also the families are waiting for for justice and um, and they want to see also concrete concrete uh, results. Mm. And I also met with um, a young um, a young Palestinian Alabalata um, who lost his parents and seven siblings. So he was the only f survivor of the attack, and it was just you know nice to sit with him. I mean, and and uh, and to yeah to follow up a bit about his life. So what happened with Ala Balata is that one year after the attack, he got married, um, and then another one year later, he he had a baby. So it was very nice to to go back to him and 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 see um, visit him. But we are hoping also uh, to go back to the Gaza Strip and to visit the other families. And what we are really hoping is to have uh, the translation of the text in Arabic, which is, I think, very important to do. But we did with this project with very few resources. Um, but we are we are hoping to do this in the next uh, in the next months. That's the voice of Anne Pack. She's a photojournalist and member of the collective Active Stills. And we're also speaking with Ella Kandil. She's a reporter. Um, and together they uh, have been working on the project Obliterated Families. And they are here in the States touring this project around the country. Um, what has the response been to this, to this project, to your presentation um, by audiences here in the States? most of uh, most of the responses were very positive of course i mean people were usually really touched and and moved and uh, i think i guess we both believe that this is a good starting point uh for something farther to be built on uh but this was also the idea behind it to to engage people through the stories and uh to kind of you know get this hook so they can relate to people much more see uh, see the similarities also in mourning and loss and struggling coping and so on and then uh, and then from there get educate themselves get more involved uh, start you know start doing things so uh, we've been meeting quite a lot with people who are already involved in one way or the other but we realized that uh, even people who, who are somehow active on Palestine, they're very often a lack, maybe not even knowledge, because a lot of people have the statistics, for example, they ha lack this uh, idea of how Gaza is, mm. how is the life inside, how, how people manage, and I think this is something we could offer to them. So in that sense, I hope we were useful. When we were meeting with people who had very little to do with, uh, with the cause of, uh, or with solidarity movements, uh it was also very interesting because these were for example um in the last meeting we had in seattle we were invited to teach in a class on history of uh palestine israel and uh, the students were just learning mm -hmm. about the history of 48 mm -hmm. and so uh after we left there so we shared during that class a story of the family that i mentioned cm family that was uh, expelled in 48 from Abbasiyah village. And we talked about how they <coughs> lived uh, first in tents for quite a long time, waiting to return to their village, how the camp started to grow. and But also, you know, going through the different episodes in the, in the history of Palestine and history of that particular family. And so what one reaction from the students, which I thought was very interesting, was that the, the, their 
teacher wrote us later that they decided they want to learn history this way through those personal stories through seeing how it actually affects concrete uh, concrete people but also they got more encouraged to 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 learn about Gaza and so that was also uh, I think interesting I guess for us what was maybe most touching of those meetings were with people who very soon very quickly as soon as we started to talk about Palestine and the different forms of oppression that people experience there uh, the people who could identify with it and relate to it very you know very quickly so we had meetings in um uh for example in Des Moines in Iowa we <laughs> met with uh, uh we had a workshop with a group of uh dreamers mm-hmm. and then uh, women from the generation of their mothers it was a small group but uh it was so interesting on many levels because first of all they really wanted to figure out how to tell their stories in such a way that it will capture attention because they feel the need to have their their stories shared and you know before we came we were thinking how can we be useful here the, the political situation here is already so messed up <laughs> and people are so busy with dealing of with, with what's happening that we we kind of wanted to see how our tour can fit into the context and uh, so so we can be basically useful mm. and <clears throat> this uh, idea of using visual storytelling and building narratives around heavy stories but in an we hope engaging way it turned out to be uh something that people can actually that we can share with people so this workshop i mean first we started to talk a little bit about technical aspects but then people you know started to have this uh intergenerational discussion and it was on one end it was fascinating to see how those different generations see their own resistance and how they practice have been practicing it and what they don't see also but also it, it just struck me as so parallel to you know the conversation that the Palestinian, young Palestinian and uh, their father or mother could have uh, about different vision of uh, practicing resistance. Sometimes it's just this idea of staying. Sometimes you know for the parents to just remain and uh, for the older generation, for the younger is to go out and maybe be more active and go to a demonstration and. Uh, and not always seeing um, so this was very very similar but also for example fear of leaving the house and going to the street and being harassed and whether it's you know a young Palestinian man in Jerusalem or a person whose status is uh, unregulated here in the US and you know this uh, struck me a lot Mm. and so every time we had a chance to (coughs) meet with especially young people who experience oppression themselves firsthand I mean, it, it 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 would be immediately this this parallel would be immediately drawn. We talked about the arrests, uh, and then uh, there was a young black woman who immediately said, "Oh my God, it's like with the black men in the U.S." Uh, when we were talking about history of uh, prisoners in in Palestine, so uh, so I think those responses are were to us really precious somehow because these were also people who had nothing to do with Palestine before and I think it's great when when you know when people start to see those parallels and we hope this is also can help building some alliances between different struggles because it's the same in the end it's the same oppression that (laughs) everyone is fighting so yeah and also what was very um, <coughs> interesting in, in, in some responses is that people could see also through our work like the, the impact of uh, bombings on uh, on the civilian population and then they kind of you know begin to question also like the, the US involvement and the US bombings in, in, in other places and I think for us it's also um, it's also very interesting to uh, to see that because this is yes I mean in, on one hand this is our work was focusing on Gaza, but this is so much of a universal story of, of effects of war on civilians. And yeah, if we can help also to um, for people to engage on, on other struggles, and uh, it's 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 great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about how people can see uh, this, see your exhibit, where you're going next, and and how people can learn more. So sadly, Anne has just finished uh, <laughs> touring with me, but uh, we still have two more weeks in the US, and I'll be traveling with Michał Grosz, who is the video editor and producer of, of the project. 
and uh, on May 1st we'll be in San Francisco in the park where all the demonstrations are converging at the end and we'll have there our uh, our uh, banner exhibition with stories of the families uh, so that's the first place where we're going to be uh, showing up on uh, May 5th we're going to be in Oakland mm-hmm. with uh, uh, First Fridays and uh, the details will be on our Facebook page at Obliterated Families. In the meantime, we're coming to LA. We'll have a, another workshop with a group of young uh, people. So I'm very excited about that, and uh, also in storytelling and building narratives. But also, we'll have a, a public meeting uh, with uh, LA chapter of uh, Jews for Just Peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we have one more event in uh, ah. Then we have a Palestinian film festival in Houston, oh, and that's uh, yeah, that's another thing. And then uh, at the end, we're back in New York uh, for another week, a uh, couple of days. We hope we'll have a another event at uh, and meetings with students at different colleges there. But we'll be all announcing it on our Facebook page. And the website for obliterated families is. So it's obliteratedfamilies.com. And uh, yeah, even if we do, don't go obviously to all the places, <laughs> uh, what we have been saying in the presentation is that people can use our materials. I mean, this is why also we, we put together this, uh, this work. So you have the films that can be streamed and shared. Uh, we have also an exhibition kit that people can download. And it's going back also to the philosophy of uh, active stills that, you know, like photos should be used uh, in public space to highlight issues you care about and I think this is a very efficient way also when people can print I mean you don't have to print the whole thing you can just pick up uh, some some stories of families or we have also photos of photos um, so this is something that, that people can share and we have also booklets uh, that can be ordered if people are interested I mean we're very um, delighted that uh, during one of our presentations uh, in New York, then a professor actually uh, took the booklets from 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 us, and we use that in the class. Um, and this is this is great. And Pak and Ella Candil, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> شعبي مجبور على الصبر بده يعيش عينا كفاح بهد الخوف بعد انجاز باسم الموت فبنحيا صبر لنحيا كرامة بس محتاجين على صوت ربينا نحلا نكون الشعب اللي بيرجعش للموت عطينا الهلم كل يوم بعدي بيجي غيره بالعافية بأمل يوم جديد فيش في عاصفة حنحسد في أحلامنا العارزة نطلق في طموحات الصامدة فبدي غني للشعب بقدس عرضه دائما بيدور على الشعب سنة جنبه ليحمي ظهره دفن مواحده باسم القضية فعامل مستقبلية شهادة يا حرية فمش بكفي يبكي ليكون بشر فيروح كبش الشهادة ليحقق نصر فالموت أصبح اقتصار مش خسارة فبعد نفسي مقابل نحيا الكرامة أرواحنا ما بتفلس من قصحي لحرية أصلاً نغامة للوطن مش للوطن جية Hello and thank you for listening. My name is Marguerite Dubai and this is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm here with Mohamed Sabana, the Palestinian cartoonist, and we're here to discuss his new book, White and Black, Political Cartoons from Palestine. It will be released in May and published by Just World Books. Uh, Mohamed, thank you for sitting and talking with me right now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, just to give a little bit of background, um, so Mohamed has been working as a cartoonist since 2002. His work has been published in many Arabic language newspapers, and he is currently at the Palestinian newspaper Al Hayat Al Jadida. Mohammed is a Middle East representative for Cartoonist Rights Network International, and in 2016 became the Palestinian ambassador for United Sketches, an international association for freedom of expression and cartoons in exile. A former political prisoner, his powerful images portray the pain of Palestinians amid walls, imprisonment, and the theft of their homeland. 
So I really just want to point out specifically, that's great that your book came out at this particular time um, because you'll be speaking at the, at the Penn World Voices Festival. And um, you know this is the first year in, I think, five um, that um, Penn America is, is dropping Israeli sponsorship. So it's particularly notable that your book is coming out right when this, uh, right when this happened. So it's, it's fantastic, honestly. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic to, uh, to hear that about Ben uh, Festival, that they yeah. dropped the Israeli uh, support or uh, yeah. fund for this uh, festival. Yeah. And I think my book came with this uh, great time and with the time of the Palestinian prisoner hunger strike now uh, inside yeah. the Palestinian Israeli prison. Yeah, yeah. Is that something that you're going to be discussing at the festival? What, what do you know specifically what you'll what you'll be talking about there? Uh, sure, we uh, the festival about the environment and something about environment, and I, I will talk about it. But uh, the Palestinian prisoner will be the main title of all of my speech, mm. and uh, as uh, this book, uh, the seeds of this book and the idea of this book came right. from the prison, uh, inside the Israeli prison, and right. that's why I should concentrate about what's happening now in Israeli prison and to support uh, 1,500 uh, Palestinian prisoners mm -hmm. now on uh, hunger strike. Right. Yeah, that's an extremely high number. So that actually kind of dovetails into one of my questions. So your work obviously has gotten you into some trouble. And um, you know you were in prison, as you say. You were imprisoned um, by Israel because um, they accused you specifically of collaborating with Hamas through your drawings. Um, from what I understand, because uh, your your illustrations were published in your brother's books, books is yeah. that true? Yeah. Um, and and he's a member of Hamas, but it was through you did it because it was your brother, and not necessarily because you you support Hamas or whatnot. It was just. Yeah. So, yeah, but we can't we can't say that my brother is a member of Hamas because okay. uh, the Israeli uh, government uh, consider like this uh, uh, talks as a confess that is mm -hmm. uh, a Palestinian uh, as a Palestinian member of Hamas is like a confess from his brother that uh, his brother is in Hamas. But this was the the main reason of uh, my. Uh, Accused and uh, but I think this is just excused from the the, the court because uh, yeah. uh, this is a crazy uh, uh, thing that you have relation with your yeah. brother <laughs> right, right. that accused you. Right. Uh, always the Israeli court find uh, reason to accuse any Palestinian uh, for something and uh, keep him inside the jail to punish him because of his work and I think why I been there because of. Because uh, I, I am a cartoonist, mm -hmm. yeah, and that's um, that's why I been in Israeli jail. That's that's the uh, hidden reason that Israeli court mm -hmm. uh, did not mention it in in uh, my accused. Okay, and 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 just to you know expl explain the other side of that, the Palestinian Authority also put you under investigation um, because there because you you drew that one illustration. Um, that um, that they claim um, they claim they claim that you that you had um, depicted the Prophet Muhammad. Yeah, that was in uh, 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, they accused me that I draw the Prophet Muhammad, mm -hmm. and actually, actually, that that's, uh, was not the, the main reason. The main reason that. Because I criticized them, uh, some leaders in, in Palestinian authority, they find it's like a, a reason to to attack Muhammad because of his cartoon, and they accused me that I draw some cartoon about Prophet Muhammad. Mm -hmm. Even I, if I draw uh, Prophet Muhammad, the cartoon was for a positive way, not negative uh, way to support uh, the Muslim way. And, and in that time, I had an idea that. Uh, you know what's what's happened in Charlie Hebdo for the mm -hmm. cartoonist there. Yes. Uh, my opinion was that uh, if you want to support Islam and uh, the Muslim, you should 
talk about the Islam philosophy and uh, the digging deep in, in the Islam right. and reflect that in your artwork or your uh, right not to uh, go to violence and kill cartoonists that will not serve the Islam and the Muslims around the world. Mm-hmm. You should uh, uh, you should fight by, by the same way, uh, by cartoon, by art, mm-hmm. uh, not by the violence, but uh, they stopped uh, the investigation with me, the Palestinian Authority, because I got a lot of support around the world from my friend and CRNI and uh, my friends around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a representative of uh, institutions that uh, uh, defense on the, uh, the cartoonists around the world and uh, that's crazy that one of the member of this association accused or faced like this terrible uh, thing. Yeah, absolutely. If you're just tuning in, this is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm talking with Mohammed Sabana and uh, we're discussing his new book, White and Black, uh, Political Cartoons from Palestine, being released by Just World Books in May. Um, so I have to ask this question to, to every cartoonist. Um, I, I'm really curious to know what specifically made you decide to be, become a cartoonist, really. You know, my study was uh, in the university, or my major in the university was uh, interior design. Okay. And uh, I like the art in general, yeah. not, not just cartooning, but uh, I think the, the cartoons reflect all the people more than any another uh, kind of arts. It uh, it's represent all of the people, the people without voice, uh, the people uh, without any uh, support, uh, not just in Palestine, around the world. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that uh, as a cartoon, as a Palestinian, we need cartoonists. We need cartoonists to represent their issues, not just for the Arab world and the Palestinian to reflect uh, the reality for the, all the foreign people around the world because what we need uh, now as a Palestinian to uh, convey our suffering inside Palestine to mm-hmm. the people around the world and the cartoon the cartoon is a good tools for this thing and yeah. for these issues and uh, you know uh, as a Palestinian more more of the uh, artists uh, look to uh, more of the people not, not just artists look to Najil Ali as a yeah. as a hero for us and uh, most of the Palestinian uh, artists want to do something like Najil Ali and to, to represent the suffering of people to around uh, to the people around the world and to to be like defender uh, for their care, uh, for their people and their issues mm-hmm. yeah and and there's something there's the very strong cartooning tradition um, in in Palestine that, the, that there's this, these very, um, you know, ushered in, I think, by Naji Ali, um, that, that just these ve- this very strong work. Um, and uh, this actually um, makes me wonder who have been your artistic influences as well? Like, would you, would it be fair to say that Naji Ali was, a, was an influence? Actually, it's... In cartoon, we can divide it to two parts: mm-hmm. uh, political uh, opinion, because you know the cartoon not just artwork; it, it's also uh, political opinion. Uh, I'm agree with Najil Ali political opinion uh, side, and uh, I want to be like Najil Ali in the political side mm-hmm. uh, to represent the poor people, the uh, simple people. Uh, to be uh, the people voice and to talk about them uh, and all of this issue li- like Najil Ali. But in artistic way, I think there is a lot of cartoonists, not just in Arab world, or even around the, the, uh, the, the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, I like them and uh, yani for example, Cal Kegel from The Economist, he's, he's my friend and I like his work. Yeah. Uh, uh, for example, Seth Tobokman, right. he's a, also he's a great artist, he's a comics artist, not, not just uh, here in in states, Steve Bornard uh, from in, uh, I think he's here also in, in New York, yeah. but also uh, in Arab world there is Amjad Rasmi from the Middle East uh, news uh, newspaper. Uh, there is uh, Yasser Ahmad from Syria. Uh, 
Uh, I'm looking over all of these cartoonist work because I should improve my ability and right. my my vision. Uh, always, I'm, I'm looking about something new in, in cartoon, uh, not just to be influenced by one person. Uh, right. Some sometime I, I I should create something new, like this book. I think it's a new uh, artistic experience, and if you right. you saw this uh, the details in in my artwork, it's different than than all of my works. Right, I would agree with that. I mean, um, something that really struck me about your work in this book is how varied it is. Um, there is some um, work in here. I mean, the cover, for example, um, it's one of the pieces in the book. It looks very um, cubist to me, and it, and it has this sort of, I don't know, this kind of nervous energy to it that I really um, I really appreciate and I really like. And, um, you know, you... you are playing around so much, and I just really love it. Like you have these lino cuts here. Yeah, lino cut. The first lino cut I saw actually was uh, from Seth Tobokman. Yeah. In, in Arab world, we don't use uh, lino cut right. in, in cartoon or in uh, even in comics. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, I met uh, Seth Tobokman, and mm-hmm. actually I gave a lecture in, in his class. Uh, the school of and, visual arts. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I saw uh, his book. He gave me his book, and Great. when I look yeah. over all of his work, some of his work was lino cut. That's why I tried to do uh, the same thing. Mm-hmm. L- uh, use the lino cut. He he used it in in in, in the comics, and uh, I uh, I used it in in the cartoon, mm-hmm. in editorial cartoon. It's something different, but the same style, the same way, lino cut, yeah. and. Uh, uh, I bring all of the material from United States because we don't have material, uh, the tools for Linocut in Arab world. <laughs> right. That's actually, um, yeah, I'm very curious about that. What, um, yeah, so you, is, yeah. So you mostly work with the, the computer. I noticed that there's some computer work in here and then there's, there's Linocut and then these are pen and ink drawings, correct? Not all of them. No. Uh, no. Uh, in this book, just, around 20 cartoons just uh, by computer. Yeah, not and a mo- lot. Yeah, not a lot. Do. Most of my work uh, by uh, brush, brush pen and some ink, gray, yeah. uh, gray color. Uh, but there is no a lot of works by computer in this book. I okay. try to do something artistic special for the book, not yeah. uh, my, like my daily work. Okay. No, I completely understand. Um, so... You know, so, something something else I want to I also want to tap into in your work is that um, a lot of the pieces I feel like there's so much crammed into them. Like I feel like um, you know I, I, I look at I look at I look at one of these pieces and it feels almost claustrophobic. There's so much going on in them. Yeah. And I feel like there's all of these different symbols um, happening. You know, in 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 so many of these pictures, like this one, for example, there's just so much. Um, so crowded. So and, crowded. And, and a lot of details in, in, yes. in one cartoon. I think for my book, uh, most of this cartoon, uh, it's not just cartoon for daily newspaper. You mm-hmm. you see it uh, one subject, one one idea in, in one cartoon. It's a book. It will remind. Uh, it should. It should remind, and uh, the people should see it uh, and and find a lot of details. But it reflect one idea in, in my mind that even this uh, uh, crowded cartoon, it's reflect our life in, in yeah. Palestine, the limit land right. in our limit uh, city. You know, the Palestinian city surrounded, besieged by the the wall, the checkpoints, all of this stuff. Yes. Uh, so the settlements uh, that make our land so limited in, in, in Palestine, and that's what what's happening in in, in this cartoon. It's uh, I feel uh, my white paper. It's look like uh, our cities uh, uh, surrounded uh, limited area, and I should put everything in in this limited area. Mm-hmm. It's reflect our uh, our life, our our cities, our. Uh, uh, environment, what's happening mm-hmm. in, in Palestine, and there is something else in, in my cartoon. You will find it in, in scenes. When, when you look, uh, if we consider the cartoon scenes for uh, the, these details, 
in artwork, you should make like a path for the eyes, uh, for any uh, readers mm -hmm. to go with this path. But in this cartoon, you will not find uh, the path. Sometimes will, will, you will feel distraction. You will lost where is the center of this uh, this cartoon? Where is the the main right. idea of this cartoon? But right. but in the, in, in, uh, and that also reflect something else in Palestine because uh, we don't have path. If you want to travel from city to city, you maybe will face a checkpoint or something like that. You will change your uh, path to another uh, route to get in uh, another place. That means this distraction in this cartoon is the same distraction we have in, in, in Palestine. Mm -hmm. And that's another reason for my cartoon. And that's what was one of my uh, discussion for, with, with a lot of cartoon uh, artists. Why uh, it's so crowded? Why uh, all this distraction in, in this cartoon? Mm -hmm. Because it is our life. Right. <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's, that's, that sounds... Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. You seem to have invented, and correct me if I'm wrong, you seem to have invented um, your own kind of iconography as well, your own, your own kind of symbols um, within the work. Um, the, uh, you tend to um, use, like, like for example, you, the checkpoints, the separation wall, um, caged birds, um, these things come up a lot in your work. It, you know, and, and a lot of the more traditional, I'll say traditional in quotes, um, uh, Palestinian symbols in cartoons and illustration also come up as well, like the olive trees and keys and that sort of thing. They, those come up as well, but I think you also um, have invented your own icons yeah. for your you, own particular work. Yeah, you will find something new in my artwork as a Palestinian icons. Mm -hmm. Uh, the cartoon you are looking to now, yeah. it's talking about the Palestinian prisoner. And when you look to the Palestinian prisoner face, he, uh, the Palestinian prisoner face without, uh, mouthless, without mouth, that, yeah. that reflect the hunger strike. Yeah, okay. Uh, this character became after the first hunger strike for Palestinians, they are without mouth. mouth. We don't need to talk. Uh, now, uh, another reason, we want action to liberate our land. This is another uh, reason for this character to be mm -hmm. without mouth. For example, you will find the even the, the uh, oppressor people, the occupation, the dictatorship, because not all of my book about Palestine, actually. some You will find chapter uh, talk about Palestine and the world. It's talking about the uh, terrorists around the world, the... Uh, uh, ethnic cleansing around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a, a lot of uh, issues happened around the world, and now it the the world uh, got tried in it, but it's still in Palestine. And some issues happened in Palestine, like the refugees issue. Uh, it happened with Palestinians in 1948, but now it's happening with the Syrian refugees. Right. Uh, but I I want to remind the people that. Still, the Palestinian refugees are outside Palestine. Not, they did not come back. And I want to stand with the Syrian refugees also. Yeah. That's why I talk about a lot of issues. Uh, I, I, I am happy to, to improve my own uh, icons uh, to, be, um, to become uh, uh, Palestinian icons, new Palestinian icons. Mm -hmm. We need to... to create something new, not just to repeat our icons, our narrative, all of our stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we should talk with the people uh, around the world with uh, something new, not just repeat ourselves right. ev every time. Right. Um, something that I, I, I just want to mention quickly, because you mentioned the prisoners without a mouth, um, that actually uh, reminded me of the... Uh, cartoons that you made um, in the chapter in the back of the book that uh, you created while you were um, detained. And uh, these are just incredibly, they're such harrowing pieces. They really, I could really feel, um, you know, your distress while you were drawing these. I mean, you, you like, they're, they're just very, very powerful pieces. Um, I'm wondering... Actually, these mm -hmm. pieces, I, I did it uh, inside the prison. 
Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what was inside the prison. And the most important point in this chapter and mm-hmm. in this piece is that uh, the car- the cartoonists around the world uh, draw their cartoon uh, in different condition to resist ag- uh, against some idea or some conditions. Uh, and the cartoon around the world is a tool to provoke or to inside the people to resist against something. Mm-hmm. But this cartoon, uh, for me, it was not tool for uh, resist, uh, not, not to provoke the people to uh, to resist. It's themselves. It, uh, it's resistance because I draw this cartoon to to. Uh, to resist against the the loneliness inside the prison, to right. to resist against the uh, isolation inside the prison. Uh, I I want to keep my mind working, mm-hmm. not just to to let my mind uh, or myself go on this isolation. And uh, that's why I I, I uh, start to think about to draw cartoon about the Palestinian prisoner inside the prison. Uh, it was. Uh, act of resistance mm-hmm. to just to think uh, about something. Yeah, mm. yeah, they're they're incredible pieces. Thank you. Yeah, I mean they're 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 truly amazing. Um. So, so okay, so your this book is um is being released for an English speaking market, and um you know in terms of the U.S. I can really only speak for the U.S. Um. There has not been much exposure before of uh, Palestinian cartoons. There's honestly been very little. Um, so the release of your new book is extra noteworthy for this reason. Um, what do you hope American readers take away? The, uh, take, what do you hope that they take away the most from your book? If I can, uh, inside the American audience, to start thinking what's happening in Palestine, just to provoke this question in their mind, I did uh, what I want to do. Mm-hmm. That's the main reason. If I uh, want, uh, if I can uh, let them asking themselves about Palestine, this is uh, for me is is a great victory. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, you know. Thank you so much, and good luck on your tour. Thank I know you. you have a long tour ahead of you. Thank you, thank you, and thank for the Electronic Intifada team. I consider myself one of their team. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure. I, I'm pretty sure they continue part of, consider you part of the team too. So. Thank you. <laughs>